0: On the Healthy Human Revolution podcast, Dr. Lori Marvis interviews nutrition and lifestyle medicine experts and extraordinary guests whose informative and inspiring stories will empower you with the knowledge to transform your life and health.
1: Welcome to the podcast. I'm Dr. Lori Marvis, and I'm so excited to welcome Giacomo Marchese. How are you today?
0: I'm doing well. Thank you so much for having me here.
1: Uh, well, thank you. And I didn't put your name. There you go. So my job is done, guys. <laughs> no. you're gonna you're, I'm sure people have heard of you a uh, bodybuilder and you've worked with Robert Teek and so many cool things. So I would love to get started and just to let people learn about you and your story and how you found a vegan or a plant-based diet. kind of what is what is your background?
0: Sure. Well, I wanted to get into fitness in high school. I wanted to make the tennis team my conductor while i was a percussionist at the time for the very first year we had a band it also happened to be the very first year that a gym opened up and he took me under his wing and long story short because he was a champion bodybuilder i got interested in bodybuilding i didn't realize that until hindsight because you're a kid you just get into something and then i'm in my 20s and i'm like oh yeah this is why i'm into this i just got out of college and I was fortunate enough to pursue something other than what I majored in, which was business and finance. It was also kind of an odd time because it was right after 9-11 when I graduated. So the jobs Mm. were kind of weird out there. So long story short, I started working as a personal trainer, probably for selfish reasons. I wanted to see what I could do for myself and how fit I could get. But I was also, uh, I had some strengths in that I was the type who, and still am, a giver and a people pleaser. It helps me and hurts me in some ways, but I think career-wise it helped me because it got me into wanting to work with others and help others. So Mm -hmm. someone near and dear to my heart, uh, my girlfriend's mom had a uh, heart issue Mm -hmm. and I wanted answers. Everyone wanted answers other than just being relieved and having less stress. And I was like, well, I can't Control someone else's actions. And I do want to find out more about how to reverse heart disease. So I went to my local co op where I was picking up groceries for my bodybuilding competition. I said, Hey, can you recommend a book to me that is going to help someone reverse their disease? And they gave me this book and I read the whole thing. And I remember that one moment that I was on the train ride coming home from Manhattan to Brooklyn. And I read this line, it just stuck with me and it was like, meat should be a condiment, not the main course. And I dared myself to be like, well, if it's a condiment, what's the point of eating it in the first place? You know, plant-based diet is cholesterol free. It's better for heart health. And so I, I tease out the idea as far, there was no information out there. I linked up with this website when it was hard, where Google was not a thing. It was like, you're lucky to find the page on the internet with the information Mm-hmm. And I found this website where Mike Maller was being like, hey, I'm, I'm a vegan athlete. I'm strong, I'm smart, and I'm finding success with this. So then that's what got me into bodybuilding as a vegan. And that's what got me mm-hmm. into looking out for support uh, in the community, in New York City, and also beyond where it was more specific. I, was, I could link up with other bodybuilders and other athletes who are also mm-hmm. vegan.
1: So I'm guessing that book was Furman book. not quite no it wasn't i just because he uses the condiment uh suggestion what book was it that um led you down that path
0: author is paul pitchford and it's called healing with whole foods
1: oh wow interesting and what year was this then
0: 2003
1: i want to say wow so you're coming up on 20 years roughly or a lot roughly that's amazing okay cool and, um, so as far as, did you see any difference from your training that you had done before, uh, eating a plant-based diet to, you know, going to a plant-based diet did anything change at all for you and your, your athletic ability?
0: Well, I was afraid to make the switch. And then after mm-hmm. I realized that the only thing holding me back was a different source of protein powder, I made the mm-hmm. switch and my performance didn't suffer. And I found that I was more energetic and my recovery was really good. Mm -hmm. So if anything, I would say that my results were continuing to improve and arguably at an accelerated rate because I switched to a plant-based diet.
1: Cool. Awesome. And did you find it easier to stay leaner or any other things there as far as the aesthetics of bodybuilding?
0: Well, honestly, at the time, if we're still going back, Mm In my earlier years, I wasn't trying to stay lean. I was trying to ah, bulk up. so and mm-hmm, and that was a little challenging, and I was doing a lot of experimenting at the time. Um, but eventually, I found my happy place over the years where I could bulk up easily and without any digestive discomfort, I could lean out easily without ha- finding it problematic as far as food sources go, and I could maintain. and I could do it in a mm-hmm. way where, I was eating nutritiously and feeling mm-hmm. good about food and myself in general.
1: Cool. Now, with Danny, um, your wife, we had talked a lot about women and getting them in the gym. So let's take the uh, the opposite here and talk to our male counterparts. And as far as, you know, again, you know, as being a female physician, most of my patients are three quarters are probably female, but I do have males. Most of them are older They're I'd say late thirties to after, you know, in unique. 30, 40 years there, but many of them have gotten out of the exercise. So how would you say for a man who's older, middle age, or older, have you worked with those and what should they be doing to get into the, at least resistance training, maybe not necessarily even a gym or doing it at home? What advice would you give to someone who's looking to become healthier and build more muscle mass? Because we know that's important.
0: Advice I'd give to someone in their thirties and forties, a uh, mm-hmm. uh, male in their thirties or forties t- is to, well, one, those are prime years. It's mm-hmm. easy to think about, well, oh gosh, I remember when I was 18, I just had all the energy in the world or I did an exercise in my twenties. So now I'm working with this and I'm, and now it's like, I am behind the eight ball. So I'd mm-hmm. first encourage you to, to think about the potential that you have. You can build plenty of muscle, even from scratch, well into your 30s, 40s, and even late 50s. So there's that. Mm-hmm. I think if you adopt that um, thought process, mm-hmm. that you'll probably be a little more engaged and motivated to be more active instead of thinking, well, gosh, in my 30s, I wish I did this so much sooner. Mm-hmm. It just feels different. You're, you're mm-hmm. a little more aware of your aches and your pains because you got a lot of miles. You've been in your body for a while, but uh, you, you can get a lot accomplished. I mean, Mm. put it this way. I, while I've been training for 25 years of my life, Lauren, I have only been active for the past 10 years and I'm going to be 41. So I have got, I've built most of my muscle in my thirties. I mean, yes, there is muscle memory, but in my twenties, I, I did a lot of, I had a lot of body image issues in my 20s. Like I, mm-hmm. because I didn't know what I was doing and I had no control over how to do it in a healthy way because bodybuilding is extreme. Mm-hmm. I, I wound up intentionally trying to get rid of my muscle. That was the body image stuff that I struggled with for, and yeah. I won't get too deep into that, but unless you want yeah. to. Um, but then working through all that, like body image stuff and, and my relationship with food I got to a point where I could safely build in my thirties and you'd be surprised how much your body could change even Mm. even starting from scratch. So I think mindset and knowing what you're capable of is more important than me saying, well, get to the gym three times a week for 30 to 45 minutes and Mm. focus on compound movements and make sure to get in your vegetables twice a day. Don't forget about eating fruit, Mm. eat healthy nutrient dense foods, don't, uh, don't try to make a full 180, right? Like look at how you're currently eating and make small incremental changes over time. That's the easy stuff. It's the mm-hmm. deeper layers. It's how you feel about yourself. It's what you think you're capable of uh, that I think is going to get you started and keep you going. So you have mm-hmm. a lot of potential in your 30s. So
1: mm-hmm. well, that's really interesting. If you don't mind us touching back to the binding because you know a lot of women, we are fully aware <clears throat> that women have issues with their body imaging and the projection and society of what a woman should look like or shouldn't look like and the judgments that come with that but we don't really speak to it a lot about men like men i don't at least in my experience and i've got you know i got three grown children and two of them are men and um and my husband of course but that that there is a lot that we don't speak to but i know you know like my middle one jonathan when he was a kid he was skinny swimmer <laughs> But he was bullied a lot and because he had some other, you know, dyslexia and some other things, a little quirky, um, <clears throat> but just as sweet as human. But he started getting into bodybuilding because he's like, nobody's going to mess with me if I'm bigger than them. <laughs> so that's kind of how he did it. Um, but we never speak to, even as we're adults or older men. Uh, the body image stuff. So that would be really interesting, at least even from my perspective as a female physician, not because I'm not a male. I, I, I get women. I get the, the stuff that we're projecting. Where does that come into play? Like what goes on? Like what are men's vulnerabilities? Where should we be looking at society? Like where would you like to go with that? Like what would be the message that you would like to share from your experience?
0: I feel like Men are being more vocal now about their struggles with their body image, what they want their body to look like, where they feel ashamed, and they're not as afraid to do the work, both Mm -hmm. in conversation casually with friends and family and also with professionals, right? Like Mm -hmm. coaches and and counselors and and everything in between. So Mm -hmm. I think things are improving, but I think still there is that men are a little, just a little bit too quiet about their struggles. I mean, God, I'm, I'm a professional in this space. I've been coaching Mm. for five years been running this business for 14 years. And this conversation I'm having with you right now Mm. is one that I have not really digged into deeply publicly
1: Mm. and I've
0: been in the vegan community for almost 15 years. So if I haven't, you can imagine how many other men out there are suffering because there's just, there's just no room for that. Those kinds of conversations. It's, it's really sad, honestly.
1: Mm. Yeah, because I really feel, you know, like you said, I always tell my patients, like there's this three pound thing between your ears called the brain. <laughs> and it really can dictate where you're going in this life, like your thoughts and your beliefs and your values. And we've really got to get thinking about what's going on here because it plays out everywhere else. And so um when you work with clients or even just thinking to yourself, and I know, you know, I always encourage people to do thought experiments and, you know, just kind of think about things. We just, we just kind of go through life. Like I feel like on autopilot, we're not, we're not sitting back and, and, you know, uh, Danny, and I talked a lot about mindfulness, just the mindfulness component of just our lives. What type of thoughts are like, where do you start that beginning of that inter, you know, either one working with someone or your interpersonal relationship with a a friend or yourself, like that intro perspective stuff, like where do you begin? Like what questions would you, how did you start your healing process? I guess would be a good answer. Like what questions should we start asking or looking for answers to?
0: That is a very good question. For us, the way that we run our coaching, is we lead with that when we set up a call with somebody. Before we work with somebody, it's not about, hey, sign up to work with me because you're gonna change your body and it's gonna feel great. And I'm just gonna give you the tools for that on paper, eat this way and train that way. That's how we started. And Mm -hmm. now we're at the point where we work with people very closely one-on-one, probably much similar to the way that you work with people, I'd imagine. So when someone reaches out to us, we say, hey, let's do a call just like this. And we, I make it a point to mention that our focus is on body image and our focus is on your relationship with food. So it already opens the door right then and there. Mm -hmm. And we do, we ask them to be open and vulnerable and honest, and we validate those, uh, those kinds of conversations. And, while it's, it's kind of weird, right? Cause you talk to your clients and it's, it's about their story and about them. You wanna get, you get your hands into their world and, and who they are as a person. But I also find that when you're able to be vulnerable and there's enough trust there where you don't think that you're enabling them, like, oh, look, like he, you know, he suffered. So it, it, that means what I'm doing is okay. Like when you trust yourself enough to be like, hey, look, you know, even your coach has been there Um, And and your coach works with many other people who have all kinds of struggles. I think it creates a place where they're not afraid to talk about what what they're looking to do to improve. Uh, and, And also. There are just some challenges when you're looking to change your body composition and when you're paying attention to how you eat that come up and that's not your fault. They're there. Some of them are from childhood, some of them are from your environment, and some of them are just literally because of what you're doing. Mm-hmm. For example, you're dieting down. You're you're putting yourself in a state of of where those body dysmorphic thoughts are going to come through, regardless of how you feel about yourself. So I think knowing that makes it it makes it easier to not blame yourself or find fault in yourself. Work on yourself and also realize like, hey, these like I'm in a place where it's going to be hard for me to be objective and I'm watching my body change. So I, I feel like that's, that's like dysmorphia right then and there, but yeah. that's okay. And it's okay to talk about what I've been through what I'm going through and what I, and how I want to feel once I get the body composition I'm looking for three months later or whatever.
1: Yeah, that's really interesting. So when you speak to the men in their, <clears throat> this, what are they seeing in their bodies? Because I mean, we, as the outsiders of anybody looking at someone's bike, what are most men, are you seeing patterns or trends that men are saying, I'm not this, I'm not that I'm to this, to that? Like, what is, what are their, their, their Achilles that are really just really hurting them? Like they're, what are those thoughts obsessing about? Like, what is that component of their body that struggles? Cause I know what it is for women. It's very simple, <laughs> but what is it for, for the men too, would you say? <laughs>
0: Not as different as you might think. I Mm -hmm. mean, yes, there are certain body parts, like men typically want bigger arms and a bigger chest, even when they're lean. But Mm -hmm. there are conversations where there are intimacy issues, depending on where someone's at with their goals, right? And there are different Mm -hmm. looks. Like for men, when they have more muscle, they tend to feel more comfortable with clothing on and less comfortable with clothing off. When men are leaner, they tend to feel less comfortable with clothing on and more comfortable with clothing off. And yeah, yeah.
1: Hmm. Um, That is really cool. And so then, you know, uh, Danny, I'm sort of referring back today because we had some really good conversation, but they talked about the, you know, the obsessiveness with eating healthy. So I feel like there's these extremes, right? You have, and everyone in between, the really in, afraid to eat anything, orthorexia type stuff, this body imaging, like just an unhealthy obsession about healthy eating versus the others, which leads to the chronic disease. In your bodybuilding world, I imagine that's very prevalent. Do you find that that's more prevalent with men or women um, with that obsession?
0: That is a very good question. I think I think anyone who's drawn to bodybuilding is prone to that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And so there's that. Yeah. Uh, and unfortunately bodybuilding encourages those kinds of things and it's necessary to achieve certain goals. Mm. And our goal is to be like, well, we're not going to discourage you to take this to that level. However, we are going to let you know the risks and it doesn't have to be like that all the time. So mm. if, I'll take it, to an extreme example, right? When we work with a competitive Mm bodybuilder, now I warn them before we start to go and take this to that level, I'm telling you right now, like this is going to compromise your mental health, but we're going to do this unhealthy thing in the least unhealthy way possible. And then Mm -hmm. afterwards, we're going to get you to a place where you can look back and say, I had a wonderful experience and I not only do have my mental health back, I feel even better and I can mm. do this in the future. It's weird. It's uh, competitive bodybuilding is, is disordered, uh, mm. eating wise, um, body wise. It's a, it's a sport that can definitely test you and, and put you into some challenging scenarios. But mm. I think if you have the right kind of support and you know what you're getting into, mm. um, you can still enjoy it and do it safely and healthfully. mm mm-hmm.
1: Well, I imagine it fosters a lot of different things. Like if you have the right mindset going in, you understand that you're going to the elite level, right? Just with any sport at the elite level, there's going to be compromises that you're going to be hard. But at the end of it, you have the, you can look back and say the confidence that I did that something that was really hard, mentally, physically challenging, even if it's the bodybuilding or running or whatever your sport is, I, I feel it's the same thing. It's just looking at a different way. I, I feel like the body is being sculpted. It's like a, but you're looking at that. So I feel like maybe that's where the challenge might be because now we're looking at and judging someone based on their physical attributes, <clears throat> but I feel it's the work they put in to get there is, is what counts. So, I don't know if that makes sense. It does. Oh, cool. very good. Um, so yeah. And so when you have, um, let's say you have young men, who are looking into this, is there an age, you know, I know my boys, I made them wait. So they were really pushing to getting to the weights. I was like, let's just wait till we're at least 12. I feel like your body is not quite so crazy and going in many directions and growth periods and stuff. Um, before you really start pushing the heavier weights, do you, and you know, we did, we used to do like push-up challenges. We're we're a very active family, but as, as far as what would you suggest for younger or people with young children, if they're like saying, mom and dad are getting into shape, I want to join you. Like where, do you have any uh, thoughts or advice on those type of situations?
0: For kids, as far as- For kids,
1: into- families, yeah. Like is there an age where we should start being like, yeah, it's okay for you to start lifting heavier weights and stuff. Like where would that, that- healthy medium be? <clears throat> I don't know that I have a
0: specific age. I think that's dependent on the the person and what when mm. they're ready and, and also what they have access to. And mm. yeah, I think that's what it boils down to. But I, th- I feel like there are some things to consider. When your body is changing that fast, you're gonna go through growth spurts, your hormones are going to be changing your bones, your joints are going to be growing and you're learning how to move properly and move safely and move well. It's a bit mm. challenging. And I think if you I think if you can I think if you're aware of that,
1: mm.
0: it's uh it'll be a little more of a learning experience as opposed mm. to something that, well, gosh, like this is something I shouldn't be doing or how do I do this right? Like your movement, your movement patterns are going to change Mm -hmm. as you're learning the movement patterns. That's an awkward place to be in, but it's totally possible. I've been there myself. So, yeah.
1: Yeah, absolutely. No, it's (laughs) it's Mm -hmm. like watching your kids learn to walk, right? You know, they, they do the toddle thing and then they get to that little bit more confident and they're running and you're like, what just happened? Um, but yeah, that's, that is cool. And now, you know, we're, I guess we're still in COVID coming, but we've just been through, you know, the worst of, I think the brunt of it, um, with these home exercises, like, you know, because some people are still a little nervous about going to the gyms Cause I know like here in Colorado, we've had an upswing in cases. So people are a little bit more hesitant to go to a gym where they can have access to weights. What would you suggest as a beginning? Uh, or someone doing stuff at home like what would be the minimal thing that you would recommend as far as equipment that they would need if any and what exercises do you feel like are the big bang for the butt for someone
0: well an at-home workout i say that doing squats are helpful and let's see squats you could you could throw deadlifts in there too and su- and shul- shoulder shoulder movements mm-hmm. like a over like an overhead press if you're if your shoulders are healthy. Mm-hmm. Um, you can do curls and for your and tricep and extensions for your arms. Yeah, um, you can do dips and you can do them off of a chair or off of a coffee table even. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to like go through the body to to get everything going. Mm -hmm. Rows are pretty easy to do. Mm -hmm. Now, some of this stuff you can, the body is is appropriate with body weight and some of this stuff, you're going to want to find a way to create some resistance. Mm -hmm. And the two options I could think of are to get bands. And the second option would be to get adjustable dumbbells. With the bands, you can get ones with handles, and you can also get ones that are thicker for more resistance. And both of both sets of bands are useful. The adjustable dump set of dumbbells is a little more on the pricey side. That's a little more of an investment. Uh if if I could recommend an ideal home gym, I'd say get a, an adjustable bench and adjustable dumbbells and the sets of bands if you could. Mm. Um, but if you can't get all that, even the sets of bands, everything that I just mentioned, those exercises, you could do those just fine at home, full body workout three days a week, gives you the chance to hit body parts more frequently, mm-hmm. tells those body parts that they need to grow more frequently. I feel like we fear full body workouts because there's this thought of needing to train each muscle, and each body part in isolation. It's just not true. As a matter mm-hmm. of fact, it's that much more important when you're building your workout routine to hit body parts frequently, both mm-hmm. in the big, both when you're getting started out and even when you're in your advanced stages.
1: Mm. So moving the larger muscles, the what we describe, I guess, as compound movement, is there any particular um, movement that you encourage? I mean, you said squats, is there anything else there do you add and encourage people to, when they're starting to think about building this repertoire of exercise, um, or tell me that better yet, what are your resources that you have? Because I know you guys have some resources too those type of things <laughs> on your
0: life? Well, we, yeah, we do have a resource called the 28-Day Overhaul and it's only $17. So it's pretty much a steal for the best of our information in bite-sized pieces. Mm-hmm. And you get a training program that you could do at home or at the gym, you get a sample meal plan. But what I feel you really get out of that is the explanation behind why the programming is the way that it is, and also how to program for yourself as an individual. So you get mm-hmm. to find out what your calorie baseline is and how to break your calories up in a way to support your needs as an athlete. Mm-hmm. And you get an understanding of the training and how-to videos. Um, you get an idea of what your schedule needs to look like for habit and routine, what kind of things to focus on. So it it, it makes you. It teaches you mm-hmm. the 23 year old and it also puts you in the driver's seat where you're creating your own program and you can mm. go ahead and write other men- menus based on our sample menu from what you learn.
1: And which website is I know you guys have a few. Is that the vegan proteins website or plant built or vegan strong?
0: <laughs> vegan Proteins. Gotcha. You also .com. have yes, veganproteins.com. On veganstrong.com, we have free recipes, hmm. a lot of really useful blogs and free training programs. So you might wanna look there first as well for some inspiration and some ideas.
1: And we had talked to Danny about your, your Christmas box um, that's coming out. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about what's in that and they can go to veganstrong.com and order that as well?
0: Yes, with the vegan strong holiday box, we stuffed that box full of all kinds of goodies, all kinds of mm-hmm. snacks and treats and healthy foods. I think we have a holiday mug in there. Don't quote me on I, I didn't design the box, Robert, and Danny did. But I mm-hmm. think there, there there's some other additions in there that are kind of cool.
1: You mentioned a mug and a cutting board, and I think she, then she mentioned all the other the treats. And so we were talking about how we should be be giving them to people who are already plant-based or vegan and or interested and just like, here you go. (laughs) It's an easy easy give. Um, That's fantastic. And, you know, I I really, I kind of, something about your statement earlier uh, piqued my thoughts on athletes and you said feeding your body like an athlete. I really feel like people who are just getting into this type of thing, they don't consider themselves athletes. But what do you when you have someone who's lacking a little bit of confidence? Do you feel like there's a shift or anything that they can do to help with that mindset to build, like, yeah, I am an athlete. I I'm doing more.
0: That is also a very good question. <laughs> <laughs> I I like I like working on mindset and confidence and seeing clients and people get motivated.
1: Mm. I also
0: think it's important to think about consistency and routine and, and what things can look like down the line. Like mm. you want to make changes. It's going to take time. Um, but yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure where to go with this one. Honestly, mm. as, as far as developing confidence
1: Yeah. Um, What what do you do to help people build confidence? Because let's say, you know, for example, I know it's a very very good example. It'd be like, for example, I have patients who come in new to the plant-based diet. They're super excited. They saw some really good, you know, let's say weight loss, or they saw numbers improving and medications being used. And then they, you know, two, three, four weeks later, then they kind of hit a stall and they're just like, then life happens. And then they're just like, can I do this? Do I want to do this? You know, what do you do with people who kind of hit that first wall? Cause the wall will come. It's just going to come, but what help how do you help people kind of overcircumvent circumvent challenges, be it time confidence? Circumstance? Is there uh, anything that you direct them to or <clears throat> say to them to encourage them? Maybe people can say to themselves, what do you, what do you suggest?
0: Okay. Well, when you frame it like that, I, I can think a little more of some examples. So I, I feel like the confidence comes from the challenges first. There's a lot of guilt Mm -hmm. that's involved when someone has not been able to make fitness a part of their routine and they've not been able to say, Hey, I don't like where I am right now. And I want to make a change, right? They show up, they're ready but they're not, they don't accept that and they're not aware of it and they don't talk about that. So they're just like, okay, well, if I just make a change things are gonna happen. But I, I think if you forget about where you came from and the person that you're trying to change that you're not gonna get there. So mm-hmm. um, step one, I'd say is, is not feeling, is acknowledging that you feel guilty and then also being like.
1: <laughs> I don't know what that was. <laughs> the,
0: uh, smoke alarm.
1: Oh, well, we can pause for a second one. So
0: acknowledging that there's guilt there and also saying, hey, I I can make time for this and I don't have to make this the number one priority to to make it a high priority and find a lot of success, right? Mm -hmm. And you could take me for example, this is what I do for a living and it's one of my biggest passions. In some ways, I identify as a bodybuilder, and it's still not the thing that takes priority over everything in my life, and it never will be. However, mm. I can do this for ten years in a row and keep going. I think when you trust that you can do that, that um, that you start to feel better about taking care of yourself. There's a lot. Of, there's a lot of um, there's a lot of shame about taking care of yourself. I don't understand why it's that mm. way, but it is. It's mm-hmm. such a common thread amongst clients that, that, uh, that show up and they either, they either overcompensate and they decide to like go as hard as possible, which I don't recommend because you burn Mm. out or they just phase themselves out by not Mm. feeling confident enough to do the work. Um, you can make like anything else, finding out how to incorporate fitness and health and to your lifestyle and to your schedule it takes time to see what that routine is going to look like takes time to make those adaptations week after week Um, it's trial and error and experimenting and um and just because you don't have the perfect routine doesn't mean that you're not working toward that and doesn't mean that it's not going to happen you turn around two years later and you'd be like hey Mm -hmm. i can do this like fairly effortlessly no matter what's going on in my life and i don't have to take it to extremes to be able to do that. So it is a process.
1: Hmm. So do you feel like, um, <clears throat> clients who are trying to start the, a healthy exercise routine, be whatever it is, what is the one thing that you'd give them advice on how to actually start the healthy routine? Like what, where should they even begin to like, how do I even get, become, make this become a habit? Like, where is that, um, Uh, best starting point for you to help them find how and where to place this activity?
0: Well, the first thing I do is I have a minimum ask and I say, hey, can you commit to working out twice a week for 30 to 45 minutes? That's a minimum ask. And if the answer is yes, then good. And that we have that buy-in. And as far as food goes, rather than trying to give them a plan to follow i ask them what they're doing Mm
1: -hmm.
0: and then we we start to make adjustments from there and i do however ask for them to like say hey can we commit to eating vegetables at least once a day preferably twice a day Mm -hmm. that's a minimum ask i need that from you um not that and i don't ask them i don't say hey don't eat these foods i don't say hey eat this way i say hey can we eat vegetables twice a day can we train twice a week for 30 to 45 minutes and they say i want to do more i say that's great maybe we'll even write the plan like that but this is our baseline this is what Mm we do and uh, and people crave structure and i think it's important for success Mm -hmm. but it's not required and you need to know when to step away from your structure and discipline and not feel like you're failing so i'll give you an example okay you're trying you look let This person says to you, I need to train Monday, Wednesday, Friday at 8am every day to succeed. And if I, and they'll come to you the next week or they'll come to you four weeks later and they didn't do it. And before you know it, they'll self-sabotage weeks later because that week they didn't do it. So they don't know, they don't know what to do now. So I tell them, okay, well, it doesn't matter which body parts you train, what day, it doesn't matter what days you train. It just matters that you train those three days a week. You train any time of the day any days of the week. You can even train Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, and not train for the rest of the week. And when you frame it like that, it creates a lot of flexibility as far as our schedule goes. You still have expectations, minimum asks, and they wind up being able to do more than that. And that feels good. Mm-hmm. And yeah, they do likely fall into a routine and structure. However, no matter what happens, no matter what life's curveballs are, they're likely not going to fall off track. And when they have that week or that, three weeks or whatever it is where things are shuffling around, it's not going to feel like failing. So Mm. that's what I think about when it comes to that support and accountability, whether someone is self-guided or they're working with someone else when it comes to that successful formula.
1: Mm. Do you find like journaling is really key for success um, or celebrations of even small like, is there anything there that you found to be very beneficial and helpful?
0: Yeah, totally. Totally. It's a good skill. It's good to have it in the toolkit. Uh, I think sometimes you can even walk away from it and just trust that you'll continue to do it. And then you can get Mm -hmm. back to it when you feel like you need it or you're in the mood for it. And if you haven't done it before, yeah. Journal, definitely journal. It's game changer.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And uh, I feel like celebrating even every day that you're doing it. So, you know, like people have the calendars and they put little X's across for me remember i don't know if you were a kid but i'm a bit older than you but the when i was a kid we used to get those little aluminum stars that you'd stick on your papers like the blue the red ones and the golden i love that stuff so i was a nerd so i was it made sense so anything for a sticker so literally if i have a new habit that i'm trying to build just getting like i literally have like little stickers right here these like little emoji stickers i put them on my calendar and it is like for me it's like going back to second grade and getting a gold star for whatever spelling bee whatever so it's you know i feel like any of the thing that celebration hits that little dopamine trigger in the back of your brain is it'll help make it even stick a little better that's been definitely things i worked with patients oh yeah <laughs> um but uh, <laughs> so funny i had a question too so like when you have um someone who's switching over to this plant-based diet and they're getting all these questions, you know, the the ones that we've all heard, the protein and uh, da-da-da-da-da. Is there there a certain structure to, you know, we'll hear like when you should be consuming protein, is there a certain amount of protein in building muscle? Like, is there, what is the science? Like, what should we actually be paying attention to? Like, what has actually been proven to be useful? (laughs)
0: What's proven to be useful is to get in 0.8 to 1.2 grams of protein per pound of lean body mass. So if you weigh, what, 200 pounds and you have 160 pounds of lean body mass, then you need to get in around 160 pounds excuse me, around 160 grams of protein, as an example. Gotcha. And that will help with muscle protein synthesis and okay. which helps you increase your lean muscle.
1: So two questions. How do you determine lean body mass? And two, um, is there timing? Is, is timing an important issue when you're consuming this? Is it split? Is it after, before? What do you do?
0: I don't you there are ways to use formulas and there are ways to get tested when it comes to measuring your body composition I recommend just eyeballing it and Mm. getting real and honest with yourself use a there are different examples of body fats for male and female bodies Mm -hmm. and just take a look at those pictures and kind of look at what range you're in and then you can know what range you're in and just subtract your body fat from your total body weight. And then you'll know how much lean mass you have.
1: So do you ever use calipers? So i like, those are pretty cheap, like what, eight bucks or something for the little calipers that you can use. Are I try it great? all. Are any of those more accurate than others? Or do you feel like the eyeballing method works fairly well? That
0: eyeballing method works fairly well. If you wanna have fun okay. with it though, you can go on uh, like digital scales. You can go in dunk tanks you can go on x-ray you can go on x-ray machines you can go in yeah. air volume all kinds of like crazy experiments if you want why not
1: yeah no it, it would be interesting do you find that there's a certain point that you know getting back i just feel like the confidence in the brain thing this is, is so important it because i'll have had patients who do really well for a long long time and then suddenly, like you said, they had one day or one week of failures or mishap, and then they feel like it's all blown out of the water, so they give up. <laughs> How do you get those people back on track, or or help them realize like, hey, no, you've actually done this this work? Or is there something that people can be mindful of when they have, a, and we all have them, the mishaps or make a decision we're, we're not exactly excited about? Is there some questions or something that we can go back to? Because I feel like that's where the journal is really helpful too, to see all the good stuff that you've done.
0: Yeah, I think it's helpful to see all the good stuff that you've done. I think it's helpful to not feel like you're failing. Mm. I think it's also important to remember that you're a person, a human being. You're not a science experiment. I mean, you could you can create science experiments and you can be mm. the greatest experiment for yourself and you can do that with someone else. Mm. At the end of the day, though, I think it's important to process like what's going on outside of that and acknowledge it and be like, that's okay. Nothing wrong mm-hmm. with that? That's a part of the human experience. So mm-hmm. I, I find myself having conversations like that all the time. Like you, your diet stress and your training stress and what you do as far as needing to accomplish, that's all really important, but that doesn't make up, that's not the sum of all the parts here. That's not all that you are.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: um yeah, I think, you, I think you need to acknowledge your, your human side outside of the experiment that you continue doing yourself to be the best version of yourself health-wise.
1: Yeah, no, I agree. And I I always encourage my patients, I was like, remember, you can't succeed or grow without failure. So what did we learn from this experience? So I, I feel like there's no negatives to, you know, these type of things because we're going to learn how to prepare for something differently. We're going to change you know either our preparation or how we had you know come across to people like that's a good question this is very interesting i see this a lot um you're like oh dear here we go down (laughs) another (laughs) rabbit hole um so i'll have patients and let's say um diabetic recently diabetic or hypertensive whatever health problems but um, they decided to move to a whole food plant-based diet. They have loved ones or friends or colleagues, it doesn't matter who it is, but someone that's important to in their network, in their life. And they're making efforts to sabotage them. Like I had one patient who said, you know, I have these two friends and one of them is always telling me that I'm not going to get better. The other one is like, Oh, you're giving up a Coke. Here's a Coke. How does that taste? You know, and they're they're literally putting in front of their faces things that they know that they will struggle with. So I call them their self saboteurs. And if they're not blood relatives, I'm like, they're not good friends. <laughs> people who want to hurt you are not considered people that are in your corner. At least in my book, you know, they have their own stuff that they're dealing with. But how do you help people deal with the family saboteurs who are I mean, literally go out of their way to try to make, let people fail. I mean, I talk to them about what's going on in these people's mindset. It's not them, it's themselves, the other people. But what do you do? Because even just eating, going walking or building this exercise habit or investing in a personal trainer, it really, it really rattles people. It's really interesting.
0: <laughs> it does really rattle people. It is really interesting. There is so much struggle there. I feel like you have to be really important about how you communicate with Mm -hmm. family and others that you speak to regularly and remind yourself that as you are changing the way that you speak to them, they're probably going to still speak to you in a way that is based on your previous communication with them, which you are responsible for. And that's probably Mm going to be a real frustrating thing to tackle head on because you did that.
1: Mm. (laughs) That's really interesting. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. That's a really good way to look at it is like, well, what was the communication pattern? What is your relationship of communication with this person? And now you're changing things up and you didn't ask them if you could change things up. So that's really, yeah, that's really interesting. you know, one of the things that uh, I always remind patients, like, you know, I'm a physician, so I have I have credentials behind my names, but I still get people, like even my own family, you know, all my family is plant-based, my kids, everybody, but what's funny is, you know, they'll ask me a medical question, like, are you sure? I'm like, oh, just go find your own, go find yourself another doctor, but um, but we would go out to eat when we first switched over plant-based diet. We lived in the other side of the Rockies um, in Colorado, because I only live, like 45 minutes from Robert, he's just up in Fort Collins. I'm like down the road. But um on the other side, in this little town called Rifle, so you can imagine the type of situation I was in. But you would eat this plant-based meal. You would, you know, work with negotiate with the waiter, like you do with these, these restaurants that are not vegan. And people are really funny. First of all, you don't say anything to anyone else. I do sometimes, but most of the time. And they're looking at your food when it comes, like, wow. That looks really good. And then they'll ask you, why are you eating this way? And I'm like, yeah, it's plant-based, it's healthy. It's, you know, I tell my little story of why I switched to a plant-based diet. And they're like, and I always get this. There's always someone who says, well, what are you saying? What I'm eating isn't healthy. Like, Where did this turn from? Me adjusting to you and saying, don't eat. Yep. And then suddenly now it's like I'm attacking them, but I never attack them. I'm like, well, if we're going to walk down it, let's walk down it. it I think it is a challenge personally, but and I, I find it rather entertaining because I I'm like, you're going to lose this conversation, but that's OK. But, you know, it's really interesting. How do you respond to that or or tell people that? Because I just it never fails. You have someone new. It always like, so what are you saying? I'm. <laughs> it's not helpful. Oh, my gosh. Yes, I am saying that, I guess. But what do you <laughs> how do you is there any like sly comebacks or anything that you tell people <laughs> to do
0: oh gosh i personally i kind of i kill them with kindness and i answer Ooh. a question with a question mm. which is the comeback i put the mm. onus on them there's a reason why they're asking me this question outside of trying to be funny yeah and so rather than me being sarcastic or whatever which would just yeah whatever turn into a joke and maybe my feelings will be a little hurt and that's all well and good i it's an opportunity it's an opportunity to find out what triggered them to ask this question in the first place
1: mm. and then
0: you can give them a chance to speak and then you're mm. open-minded and maybe there's some information you can you can you, there's an opportunity for dialogue and mm-hmm. i think that's where the, the niceties can come in and be helpful or sometimes yeah. they could they could bite you in the butt and. Uh, and leave an opening for that person to heckle you a little more. And that's all well and good. But oh, so I, I, yeah,
1: I, you're obviously very kind. I tend to be a little bit more aggressive because I've just been so even in, in the medical as a physician in Western Colorado <laughs> and then moving to being one of the only vegans I felt like in the entire world (laughs) where I was at that time. Um, It's really interesting. We had, so my boys, they, and my daughter, they were all sports. They did this stuff, but you know, I'm, you live in a little town. It's like 12,000 people. People know who you are. You're one of the doctors in town. You're one of the kids. Your mom's a doctor. Okay. There's that. But so when Gabe, my youngest would play baseball, or run track or whatever i'm always you know people are like how is gabe doing like he would he'd started um you know uh varsity baseball playing short or he was catching or pitching he they do back to back seven innings seven inning he'd be the catching pitching it's like how does he do that i was like well look what he's eating so i would start talking about nutrition for their kids and recovery it was what was funny is one of the parents we became you know good friends with their You had always me to make games. You spend a lot of time with these people. So you talk about a lot of different things. Well, very unhealthy diet. In one year, I never let my kids play football except for one season. And then I said, no, we're not doing that again. But anyway, that's another story. They were raising money for the football team and they were um, selling, uh, you know, the the big thing on the Western Colorado is grass-fed beef. And someone was going to win a side of beef and they would buy tickets. And I was told by a little birdie that someone thought it would be funny to put my name in the raffle. (laughs) And they're like, wouldn't that be funny if the vegan doctor won a side of beef? And I was like, wouldn't that be funny if I donated it to the animal shelter or somewhere? (laughs) I was like, this is what I dealt with this. And that's a small thing. That really is, it goes much deeper. I could could go on, but (laughs) anyway, that's, anyway, I did. (laughs) <laughs> see that would that would piss me off I, would,
0: I yeah. would probably my war hairs would come up and I'd be like okay I, we've had just about enough of this yeah. let's let's go yeah. ahead and, and find out you what's know, going on here
1: yeah it is it is really interesting because hey, if you talk to these folks and they they only you know they really are quote unquote, I guess, nice folks. But what's interesting, that same person, I should say his name, but anyway, I won't. Um, he, he texts me one day and he goes, you're right. I was like, you're right. And I hadn't talked to him in a little bit. And he's like, what do you mean I'm right? He goes, I had a heart attack. And because I always told him, you know, I was like, listen, there's going to be a day that you have a heart attack. Look at how you're eating. <laughs> Look at this. This is not healthy. And, um, and he did. He had a heart attack. He had a stent. It was a big deal. And he tried going plant-based and just couldn't do it. And um, even though I walked through the whole family, <laughs> they saw all the results, um, but they just couldn't even after a heart attack. And I feel like those are the saddest cases is that they see the evidence and they try and they just give up. And it's just, it's really sad, but yeah, I guess you just can't help everyone.
0: No, you can't. And where I go to in my head that keeps me sane is reminding myself that, health. While I feel like you have a certain degree of certain amount of responsibility to your fellow human to be healthy, because being unhealthy means that other people are going to need to be more responsible for you. I mean, in general, not
1: Mm -hmm. just your family and friends. Absolutely.
0: There's some responsibility that you can't control people and people can make a choice to not be healthy. And that is Mm -hmm. well within their rights. However, if you can get them to eat fewer animal products they're going to be mm-hmm. doing less harm to the animals and I think overall mm-hmm. that will help so there's mm-hmm. still opportunity there
1: mm-hmm. as even
0: though it's kind of hard it's a tough pill to swallow yeah, just yeah it's, a, it.
1: It. It's, it's just a, it's a tough culture right so these are hunters mm-hmm. these are <laughs> it's mm-hmm. but I grew up my dad was a truck driver my mom was a big keeper so I grew up in blue collar not much money. So I get it. I mean those are my people. They <laughs> grew up in Eastern New Mexico, West Texas, so I, I get it very well. <laughs> but it's it is it's, it is hard because you you know they could do so much good because if you get one person in that type of community to switch over, wow, that it goes like wildfire because people just they respond that they're they're, they're a very tight-knit community. It's interesting, which reminds me there was um, in the blue zones, they found that like I think Fort Worth, they were so surprised to see a conservative city take on that challenge so well, and you know, and I was like, it actually makes a lot of sense coming from those type of communities. I, I get it, and so it was it was really interesting. They're they're tight knit and they they respond to each other, <clears throat> but uh, this is it was cool. Um, I know I'm keeping past the time that we talked about already. So um, as far as, is there any advice that you would like to share with the audience? Let's say that someone is looking into, you know, building more muscle and stopping that, you know, muscle mass loss that we get as we get older. (laughs) What would you like to say to maybe that final, you know, bit of like, yeah, go out there and do it. Like, what would you suggest?
0: It's never too late to start. I don't care what age you are. And to give yourself yourself the chance to not feel guilty to work on yourself. No matter how busy you are, you can make time to move your body and you can make time for healthy choices and find support, whatever it means to you. Some people like to do their own research and they're quiet and they're on their own. Some people need social support. Some people... want to work with somebody one-on-one there's no right way to do it find Mm -hmm. know yourself and know what works for you and go out and seek that information and the support that you need to succeed and um and give yourself time to to make some changes and realize that as you change the world around you will change and it will talk Mm -hmm. back at you and it will challenge you and piss you off and aggravate you but if you persist Mm -hmm. with the changes eventually the world will come around and treat you the way that you want to be treated because you're different now than you were a year ago when you started on your finished journey and so on and so forth
1: right either growing or dying right that's one of the one of the the things. i love that how you said if you're going to change you're changing and then the world changes around you one it's your perspective and but people are going to respond to you differently because you're a different person like you said i love that that's a great way to look at it so But thank you so much for your time. And I hope everyone, you guys check it out. Um, The links are in the website. Jonathan will put them there. (laughs) As I told Danny, he's like, mom, you got to up your editing game. I'm like, well, here you go. (laughs) Oh, and this is the reason one of my boys, like mom, I was just against the wall. He's like, you gotta, you gotta do better. I'm like, well, fix it for me. This is what I got. So I'm like, all right. (laughs) I
0: like it. It looks good.
1: Yeah, it looks good. I, I painted that one. And then one of my patients sent me that one. and like this is great i love it um but yeah veganproteins.com plantbuilt.com and veganstrong.com for your holiday box check it out um i think it's a it's a great organization you guys are doing great work so thank you for your time i really appreciate it
0: thank you for having me on the podcast i appreciate it it's an honor
1: You're welcome. Thanks for watching, and I hope you enjoyed that video. Before you go, though, please hit the subscribe button and the alert button so you will be notified whenever we upload any new videos. On Monday, we upload the Healthy Human Revolution podcast. Now, if you'd rather listen to the podcast, you can find it on all the major platforms such as iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, and even Spotify. Now, if you're looking for more resources on how to start a plant-based diet, sustain a plant-based diet, exercise, recipes, anything regarding wellness, we've got you covered. Check out HealthyHumanRevolution.com. And again, thanks for watching.